0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to MMR's Off the Air podcast. Today, we will be discussing Mitski and Mitski's album Laurel Hell. I am joined here with my friends. Well, I'm Lauren.
1: I'm Matt. And I'm Christian.
0: And we're really excited to get into this topic. If you're interested in MMR, come on down to Moore Hall. Come visit us. We have meetings every Thursday at 7. All right. So... Mitski. This Mitski. is, if you couldn't guess, Lauren's uh, recent development it has been listening to a lot of the Mitski album because she released it um, recently on February 4th. But we're just going to get a little background in about mm-hmm. who Mitski is and how she has affected the music industry, industry recently. Um, so I did some research and I found out A little bit about her background her life before music she was born in japan she is known for being a japanese american artist um, with a lot of really interesting um, aspects of japanese music and writing in a lot of her older works Um, she lived in turkey china malaysia czech republic and Democratic Republic of Congo for a while as well. She like moved around a lot as a youngin. Um, yeah, she's
1: been all over the place. Yeah, looks like she. Ridiculous.
0: Yeah, she really moved around a lot in her early life with her dad. I believe being from America and her mom being uh, Japanese, and then she ended up studying music. Um, she went in originally for arts. Made uh, majoring in film, I believe.
1: Yeah, I saw that when I was doing research.
0: Yeah, so she was looking into a lot of the artsy-fartsy stuff when she was <laughs> first getting into the, like, secondary college education world um, and eventually kind of realized that music was the path she wanted to go on and she became, like, super passionate about it. She self-released her first two albums um, before getting signed to a label and those were, like, huge, I feel like, as a part of the internet culture that she like accumulated was those two first albums had like a lot of deep emotional content to her and a lot of stuff that people hadn't seen before out of indie pop artists. Yeah.
2: Cause her first two albums were the early 2010s, right? Like, yeah,
0: I believe so. 2013,
2: 2015 around that time.
0: Yes, I believe so. Um, I know a lot of people mm-hmm. hadn't really heard from her or heard about her until Be The Cowboy, with especially Be The Cowboy becoming huge on TikTok. I think that's, like, kind of where she got her mass fame, and um, a lot of people were using a lot of the songs like Me and My Husband over TikToks. Um, It's got a fun, funky vibe, that album released in 2018, and so it was easy to, like, listen to during the pandemic and kind of feel like the main character. I know she kind of had that main character vibe for a lot of people, but her previous albums, um, Puberty 2, Bury Me at Makeout Creek, and then Retired from Sad, career, New Career in Business, are the ones that I feel like there is a big part of her fan base that are like, first, first three, first, and lush, first mm-hmm. four albums are the best albums as a lot of people do. Um, I know the first time I ever heard from her was... I heard her singing a live rendition of Class of 2013, a track that's, like, really emotional about her relationship with her mother um, off of Retired From Sad, New Career in Business. And there was this video that went around that was viral of her, like, singing into her guitar to get these weird harmonic distortions. I just see that. Yeah,
1: Yeah, I've seen that, too.
0: That was the first time I had ever seen her, and it was at the height of quarantine. And I just was like, hmm, this is interesting. I'm going to do some research.
1: So, like, due to TikTok, like, her rise to stardom, so to speak, was, like, pretty recent relatively, right?
0: Yeah, I would say her rise to mainstream stardom. I think that she always kind of had um, a group of people that were going to follow her because they could tell she was passionate about her work and that the work that she was producing was unique enough to, like, gain attention from those people that were really into, like, the... Uh, female indie and even like japanese american indie vibes um but there were a lot of people that came in on tiktok after she like kind of blew up and were like a little bit gatekeeping being Mm -hmm. like oh no 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 don't come in and take my favorite artist new like white girl that has figured out that she is sad over quarantine because a lot of those lyrics, like, people held on to them in a really, really strong way. Um, and Mitski, as an artist, as I've come to find with my research, isn't someone that particularly feels a super strong connection with her fan base any longer because of the mainstream fame that she's acclaimed. You know what I mean?
1: Hmm, that's so, interesting.
0: Yeah, I read on Pitchfork that at one point she was um, on tour and somebody from the crowd screamed, I loved you, Mitski, or I love you, Mitski. And she was like, you don't know me. She, she leaned into the microphone yeah. and goes, you don't know me. And I think that kind of set up this, this new release for her, like this understanding that the industry is wide and vast and a lot of people feel like, If they have a favorite musician, they know them personally. There's kind of this change in um, culture with YouTubers and artists specifically with the age of the Internet and even celebrities to a degree um, where people just feel like they know the people that they support, but they don't oftentimes. Have you guys ever experienced anything like? Yeah,
2: totally. I think in the new age of TikTok, I can totally see like YouTube. I can see like around that area era things were a bit longer and things were a bit more developed as far as like big popular projects but things like tiktok you know you can take someone's song and i'm assuming i haven't seen the tiktok specifically about mitski but i'm assuming they're like you know oh i just got broken up with or like i can see the tiktok it's made it's not one where they're dancing or doing something funny it's something slow and kind of like emotional And for someone like Mitski, who obviously cares about music, wanted to study music, has a lot of history with, you know, being part of a minority group and growing up in all these different places, feeling out of place, not knowing her spot, you know, relationships with her family. She has to pull that really deep from the heart and really think about her lyrics because she has some really great lines and really great songwriting ability. And for someone just to kind of snip, copy, paste over like, you know, oh, my ice cream fell on the street, you know, and then exactly. put that over. And I can tef- definitely see, especially the fans and also her being
1: like, you know, hey, Give
2: like, the love.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I could definitely see for like, from her point of view where something like that, like a TikTok taking one of her songs, like out of context or something can like really, like kind of like belittle her, her work and kind of the emotion that she put into it. Because especially after listening her newest albums, you can I mean to her newest album, uh, you can definitely tell that she puts her heart and soul into it. Like she she's talking about some very like very deep things here and she also covers like a wide array of issues which um,
2: a lot of them are doing like relationship. Yeah. Um, I know with Fame, I think it was also in uh, Be the Cowboy she talked about the relationship with Fame and that being I think a lot of artists have where once they kind of get it it's kind of like you just can't get it off and it you know it's it becomes more constraining the more you have it and you know i can definitely see her wanting to kind of break out of that but it's hard when you have contractual obligations and also if you already have this fan base there's like people are waiting you
0: know? right it's very like i feel like prevalent especially with once again the use of social media these artists have a way to directly say how they're feeling outside of their music too so things can be interpreted a certain way by an audience member and it will be so personal to that audience member, but for the artists giving out their art, it has been like an inter- eternal struggle since the beginning of time for artists dealing with fame, realizing that once they reach their peak fame, despite the fact that this is what they wanted their whole lives, they don't feel that satisfaction. And unfortunately they don't feel like they can maintain this lifestyle forever. Um, Right now, she's still really, really big, and this release has been, like, critically acclaimed. A lot of people were really excited for it when it happened, despite the fact that it's only a 35-minute album. Um, um, But she's also going on tour with Harry Styles for Love on Tour. Yeah, she was opening up for Love on Tour, Hmm. which was a pretty big deal. There was a lot of overlap, I'd say, with... um, Oh, Big Community, I forgot to mention, that a lot of Mitski fans, like, are a part of is the queer community. I feel like she speaks a lot to, once again, people of minorities, like minority ethnicities, as well as like queer communities, because there's just kind of this general vibe to her music that explains it from the personal perspective of somebody that feels like an outstander, like someone that doesn't relate to everybody around her all the time and is always feeling these complex emotions about her standing in the world. Um, but like we said, she, she really had a long career in music in general. She worked with a lot of different artists and was, um, a part of a band called coils from 2013 to 2015. Um, she's collaborated with uh, some of my faves, like Lucy Dacus, which was pretty cool for me. Mm-hmm. And, um, she kind of has inserted herself into this like indie community. And I think that, right now that is like a booming community mm. of artists like i'd say indie music has become mainstream to a certain degree yeah uh, oh you I, know we talked about I this it,
2: yeah. yeah last semester about you know oh what is indie when they're big like how big can you still be indie and i think definitely with her it's definitely the sound she gives because a lot of it is her vocals at the forefront
0: mm-hmm.
2: and all of a lot of her songs she has a great voice um and throughout, she does have some variety, especially from um, Be the Cowboy. There was a lot of, like, disco elements, a lot of, like, kind of, like, almost, like, country-esque. Mm-hmm. Like, she obviously, like, took inspiration from a lot. So I feel like that's something she can pull from. And I think it works in the sound because she's not really big and proclaiming. But, yeah, I kind of wonder if, like, you know, we're talking about the TikTok era. Like, you know, I, you know, I hate to say, like, generalization, but I feel like... A girl that would take her song and put it on a TikTok, it's like almost like sh- like her trying to be unique and special. When, it like, I don't know. No offense. It's just like I don't know. Me taking a song and putting it is not really
0: hmm. right. Yeah, I I do see that. I think that you know, obviously, everybody has the right to enjoy the music that they enjoy, and the gatekeeping culture can be upsetting at times. Um, but I think once again, as we were saying before, it's kind of the disrespect for. The amount of emotion that the artist has put in that really sets that TikTok, Instagram, any mm-hmm. social media like kind of pedal pe- yeah, like, pedestalization yeah. of like um, your own personal issues. And instead just mainly focusing internally, which brings me to the point of quarantine. Obviously, she blew up then um, and that might have a lot to do with this album's lyrical content um, and also a lot of people's relation to this lyrical content now because be the cowboy was released in 2018 and the albums prior with a lot more dark uh, depressing material were released at a time where there was no global pandemic and people that were depressed often found those depressed lyrics, depressed artists, and felt like a stronger connection. But then with quarantine coming in, almost everybody felt depression. Almost everybody kind of had to recognize that mental health is a real issue and something to talk about. And I think that a lot of the people that ended up finding Be the Cowboy alone didn't take into account all of the previous albums that she had to share a lot of her emotional issues on. Um, And then it comes back to this new album and she's back to sharing these emotional issues in a way that's really poetic and um, rather cool, in my opinion.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, I I definitely agree with that. Like, um, especially on this uh, newer album, like her integration with her, like, really kind of deep lyrics and like heavy, heavy lyrical substance combined with like her 80s kind of like experimentation with uh, just kind of like. The indie and like the pop sound was like really interesting, which kind of like it kind of like grasped me in and intrigued me a lot.
0: Yeah, a lot of sense, a ton of sense in this album, which I, for a while, was like big into being like, I don't like the 80s. What do they have to offer other than Toto? Uh,
1: (laughs) Oh. And
0: then, and then I was like, wait, maybe I should do some more research. And I've kind of, started to enjoy 80s music and revival 80s music even more yeah
1: Um, 80s mainstream pop cannot be beaten
0: yeah like it's fun stuff
1: it is yeah some rock
2: bands from the 70s and whatnot kind of got lost in the 80s but then some you know really came through like i think of a classic as like yes it's like they had a couple good songs but then like the overall sound of the 80s really diminished them whereas like you get like michael jackson you're like oh well that's '80s. right that's like the best so yeah
0: Definitely. So do we want to start diving into Laurel Hell about all of the content that Uh, goes around that?
2: Before that, I got a general question. You know, we talk about her being second second generation, right? I believe Um, so. Immigrants or, you know, citizens. So with that, have you guys had any artists that you know are kind of embrace their heritage a lot in their songs, in their like overall musical style? Is it something that Is prevalent enough for you to be like, you know, I guess give it that label. Like to me, there's this girl called May, I think I pronounce it, M-A-Y-E. And she is Spanish. So she has a lot of, like she will be bilingual in her songs sometimes. And it's like really nice. Mm -hmm. Um, Or some songs will just be completely in her native language. But with that, she's pulling a lot of like, I mean, obviously the sound, it's almost like I don't want to say, oh, it's just like, A pop sound because at that point it's like well now we're deciding like you know where you live like where it sounds so you know I just didn't know if you guys had any especially like bilingual uh, artists that you love a lot. Yeah
1: the one one coming to the forefront of my mind right now is Lil Sims. Yeah. I mean like Mm -hmm. after I mean we obviously talked about Lil Sims in length on our uh, the last episode that we did in uh, 2021 but like that's sometimes I might be introvert. Her last album was kind of like the encapsulation of her heritage. Like it brought in sounds from UK drill, which have been like extremely popular and kind of like left by the wayside in the United States mainstream, but also coming in with like Afropunk influences mm-hmm. with just great songs. Like, uh, Oh God. Why can I think right now? Um
0: You're good. That whole album was Fire and I yeah. listen to it constantly mm-hmm. now. I'm
1: so glad to hear that. I, I am so I really glad enjoy. To hear
0: that. I thought you were going in a different direction oh, than really? Little Sims because Caliuchis. Like, oh yeah. You know. Oh my god. Queen, Queen yeah. Cali. I fell in love with her music, especially around the age that I wanted to travel to Spain mm-hmm. or to Latin America because I was studying Spanish and you know, for a lot of people in America, uh, the best way to learn a language is to kind of throw yourself into content related around the language. So I would listen to a lot of um, like songs with Spanish lyrics or TV shows with Spanish subtitles and such. And Kali Uchis, I was just like, ooh, yeah. with Telepatía, that was a yeah. that was a fun single and the whole album.
1: So after after seeing Tyler, Kelly Uchis actually opened up for him, uh, and it was like it was actually a phenomenal experience i have not enjoyed an opener that much because she uh, I think it is telepathia where she kinda like switches back and forth between English and Spanish. Yeah. Is is that yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Que no le
0: dia or yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful song and mm-hmm. it made it onto the charts and was playing on the radio, and I think that's kind of cool that we had that.
1: Yeah. Um, Speaking of TikTok, that song was huge,
0: huge on TikTok. Huge on TikTok. I wasn't I mean, even on
1: TikTok at the time, it was huge, but like <laughs> I, I just saw stuff on like my Twitter feed with like
0: yeah, that song. Yeah, on. she was big. I, I know that um I forget what the name of the album is, but the album where she's laying on the blue, like, silk. You know what I'm talking about? She had some um, lyrics in there that I believe were Spanish, and they were always super fun. Another one that I thought of, that Mm -hmm. Regina Spector. I, I am just now getting into Regina Spector, and... I know that she has a few different languages and a few different of her songs, and I don't know if they're related to her culture. Oh, like more than two? Yes. yes. Okay. I know she's got some Russian. She's got some French. I'm pretty sure she is Russian. Okay. But um, I think that, like, that little, like, push from just... A beautiful song to adding in a whole nother like language can really intensify like the emotion that you feel even if you don't know what the lyrics yeah, are especially saying. especially like
2: a language like French or Spanish. Yes. it's like the natural cadence of it is very can flow very well whereas like a classic of mine is like Rammstein like Duhast. It's like mm-hmm. yeah German because German is just punchy and yeah.
1: really loud and loud. no that's so a very good point uh <laughs> like going back to the Kelly Ucas set like um her so her whole vibe was like going for this like really like sexy and overplayed tone and the uh, her Spanish uh her Spanish songs fit extremely well into that yeah like extremely well which I mean yeah oh like who can complain at that point? I know. Like, I saw
0: her live at one point. She opened up for Lana Del Rey. Yeah. And oh my God, she's a she's serial. So she's live. so good live. She's so good live. Like it was, oh, I honestly thought that she outperformed Lana. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's that was tea. That was T. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think that that. Integration for Mitski even too like there are a few songs off of uh, Take Me to Makeout Creek in which she has some Japanese lyrics I know for sure That's, yeah because I only um, got to
2: able to review Herberian. her latest two and then like a couple random from uh, puberty
1: too so yeah I mean you can you can really see like how how her kind of like general uniqueness kind of formed with I mean living living in all these different places and kind of like absorbing the culture in a way. I mean, I'm not saying that's exactly what she did, but, like, it's it's very easy to take influence mm-hmm. from those places when you're actually there, you know?
0: Yes, definitely. I, I think that she does that super well, too. And generally, she has a unique sound to her. Now, I'm not sure if that's because we don't have a lot of people that have Japanese-American influence in the mainstream indie. We, we do, but... I've heard a uh, lot of I mean,
2: Japanese... Um, Like, well, there's like math rock that I know specifically right. is Japanese, or kind of like more electronic pop, more like electronic, like
0: I don't know
2: how to describe it, but it's like it's almost like video game glitchy, yeah, Uh, okay. type of electronics. So, but that's where I've mostly
1: heard it. Yeah, um, I can really only think of Joji, but he might be Korean, so I'm not even Joji sure. Joji, I think, Korean, is it?
0: Yeah, I mean, I know that. Math rock is something that I tend to um, enjoy. <laughs> but yeah. it um, it almost, Mitski does not sound like math rock to me at all.
2: Of, I mean, of course not.
0: So, like, there's there's obviously differences in individuals p- performing from any culture. I mean, we got, we got country, we got everything here, you know what yeah. I mean? There's a lot of...
2: Yeah, I just think overall artists shouldn't be afraid to... I mean, I don't think they are afraid, especially, like, true artists. They're not afraid to bring in new sounds even new languages to their music because I feel like they can get across a lot more personally and that would help. And, you know, a lot of, I mean, you know, especially I think now being in 2022, like we've started a strong dialogue a couple of years ago. And now I think, you know, like the oncoming cusp of artists, especially ones that haven't really released anything yet, I think are going to be like culturally strong where having the opinion of like, I don't know. I, I think, you know, having a separate genre like, oh well, they're, you know, like Latin influence, this influence, I think music's gonna be like the bigger molt, uh, melting pot where it's just mm. gonna be kinda it's just kind of good music.
1: I yeah. mean, yeah, that's that's actually really interesting because like I'm I'm kinda over here thinking now, like uh since music and culture are so like interconnected, mm. it, it must be like like relatively easy to just grab onto something of your culture and kind of just like make some music like uh, surrounding that whole vibe. I mean, easy is not the right word for it, but kind of just. It like, feels right. Yeah, exactly it, exactly. it feels
0: like something you should be doing as as a person. I, I I totally recognize that. I mean, you create what is around you a lot of the times. <laughs> I mean. And sometimes you consume a lot of what is around you, but I think it's cool that we have these opportunities with people of different heritages and different cultural influences on music that are kind of blowing up in different areas of music, like indie music for Mitski as an example, and kind of providing this almost tangible look into um the different worlds of music that you could explore out there mm-hmm. and I think that you know there there is a time and place for recognizing when something is being kind of disrespectful in interpreting these um, these kind of cultural differences but then there's definitely cultural appreciation in music that is really really cool to witness with the coming age of the internet and all of that stuff yeah. Um, but yeah I I really liked researching about Mitski and getting to know who she, she was. Cool. Like, she seems she like very cool. She
2: seems a
1: very chill. interesting artist. Like, yeah.
0: She doesn't seem like she's like other artists of today. You know what I mean? She's not
1: like other girls.
0: She's not like other girlies. <laughs> no. <laughs>
1: she's a little underground, a little indie. Yeah.
0: But I think it has a lot to do with her being reserved too because y- you guys talked about maybe what, like uh, watching a few of her interviews, right? And it, she seems to be kind of like laid back reserved not really willing to give out that same like softness and emotional uh like discussion of content and lyrics on these albums as a lot of people that are really trying to be famous and are really trying to maintain that status of fame do do you know what I mean
1: yeah I do and I just gotta imagine like how awkward it must be for Mitski to like be interviewed about her like lyrical substance when she's just like when she's just chilling or something mm-hmm. right. like, man, come on. It's all in the music. Like I put it out there. I'm not trying to think about that right now. I'm right. Like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> or
2: even like trying to be a marketable person. Cause she, you know, and kind of hearing the lyrics and from interviews and, you know, what Lauren has also told us about her as an artist ever since Laurel Hell came out, you know, you can tell she's kind of on the, you know, wanting to leave yes. the music industry and, you know, I feel like with someone's, like, trying to be, like, you know, oh, yeah, put me as the figurehead of today's music. Like, I, I-, I can just be an empty vessel. Put everything through me. I'll say whatever. You want me to, like, you know, sport Gatorade? I'll do it. You know, but she's just like, nope.
0: Yeah. I'm it, good. It's that uniqueness that really draws a lot of people in. It's that... um authenticity Mm -hmm. that's the Mm -hmm. word it's that authenticity that really draws a lot of people in and I feel like even you just went to the Tyler the Creator concert Mm. but even Tyler the Creator to me gives that similar vibe because if you've ever seen him in interviews he's goofy and stuff but man I feel like if I talked to Tyler the Creator he would not like me and I would be able to tell. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like he's, I mean, he
1: does make it very apparent when he doesn't like
0: people. He's a straight-up, like, individual person, and he's not going to mess around and deal with other people's, like, yeah. BS yeah. in order to, like, further his fame. And because he is such an authentic person, I feel like he gained this mass audience in a similar way that Mitski did. Do you know what I mean?
1: I mean, that was, like, when I... I, I'm talking about this concert a lot, but anyways, like, uh, when I went to it, that was kind of, like, one of my most, like, eye-opening things. Because uh, when, like, you see him in the interviews being goofy and being silly and, like, just this energetic dude, he's, like, he's the same person in concert. Like, he he brings that same exact energy, which is just really weird to see in person because, like, I've seen all the interviews, all, all the whatever, all the videos, and it, it was just, like... It was weird seeing that in person and kind of like, I don't know, just kind of really cool. Yeah. Really cool.
0: And I assume a lot of fans of Mitski get that same vibe. Yeah, Um, I bet. Her live performances are often recorded and posted on places. And even recently, Mitski went on to say in like an interview, I believe, or maybe directly to fans, not sure which, please stop recording whole songs at my concert and then posting them on YouTube because... I'm doing this for the art. I'm not doing this to have, like, replications of every individual concert out there for other people to enjoy. That's why I release the music.
2: That, I mean, and I'm sorry, but one, no one's going to watch your whole Snapchat story of a three-minute song. Right. Mm. No one, and same with, like, fireworks or, like, anything else <laughs> live. This is a tangent, it's but like, yes. Like, well, it's true, because, you know, I went to the Magdala, Magdalena Bay concert last week, and this guy in front of me, I think, recorded like five whole songs. And like, hey, I get it. It was a cool concert. It was cool to see the visuals. But yeah, I mean, same thing with Misky's getting at. It. It's like, I want this room to be this moment and that's it. And that's what it should be. And also, like, you're never gonna look back and like listen to the song through your really bad phone speaker. <laughs> Like, I don't know. That's and hear me.
0: yourself singing in the background and be cringing yeah. on the inside, too. Like, it's yeah. it's mean, not worth it, man. To be fair,
2: that dude did have a couple
1: drinks, so. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It was, okay. It, but it was still good I mean are, are you even like at the concert if you're just staring yeah, and at yeah I don't want to look phone? at it through my little phone yeah it's just like oh he's a lot smaller there huh yeah. <laughs>
0: uh huh uh huh I'm the person that does not watch my phone when I'm recording at a concert because I'm like oh I gotta leave with one little bit of the concert yeah. and, and then like and then it's just like off to the side yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like oops because uh, I'm so in it I'm not gonna focus on like, my you're like why'd phone. you just film
2: this like dude's head in front of you
0: yeah why'd you just why'd you film the <laughs> left the like speakers man, that's come it on. <laughs> yeah
2: I really
0: like this hat. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, shall we dive into the album yes, at this let's point? Do it. All right. So, as I said it was released in early February, but I know that Working for the Knife was released earlier than that because when mm-hmm. it dropped, I was like got to listen to this new Mitski. Here we go. And I really liked Working for the Knife and funny enough, heard it on my way home from work. Ooh. And I was listening to the lyrics and kind of had this moment of, like, Mitski, you're famous, though, and rich. Life's easy for you. Mm -hmm. You're not working for Mm -hmm. the Knife. What are we talking about? In the world of the Internet talking about late-stage capitalism, Mitski, how can you be out here complaining about your job? But then after the release of the whole album and her interviews and, like, reviews, it makes sense. The context makes a ton of sense with working for the Knife being a super kind of upset song about having to continue to push toward this career that you're not passionate about anymore okay that you thought you loved
1: yeah that that's what I was gonna ask I was gonna ask uh, if you kind of like because when I was listening it kind of seemed like she was like she was describing herself as being put in like a creative box of some sorts and I didn't really know if she was talking about like the music industry in general or just like something else so I'm glad you I'm glad you clarified for that that for me
0: yeah um it it, there's a lot throughout this album of discussion of I always expected this to be the best Mm -hmm. and Mm. then it wasn't and now what do I do because now I'm realizing that what I've worked for my whole life wasn't anything near what I wanted it to be you know what I mean like I'm sure that she still loves and values the content that she's created for people. And I'm sure that she really values the relationship she has with her audience. I mean, even going so far as to say thank you. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be here, like, throughout the album in so many words. Um,
1: yeah, I think on one of the tracks, she straight up just says it.
0: Yeah, she uh- does. But it, it's <laughs> the last verse in Working for the Knife. She says, I thought the choice was mine and I was right, but I chose wrong. And that kind of just solidifies it. She recognizes that she was the one that chose this path. But unfortunately it's not the way that it had seemed when she was so young and like looking forward to that. Um, So that was the first single that was released.
2: And I feel like even though without the music industry, I mean, there's a lot of artists who felt that way. Like top of my head is Kurt Cobain. Like he actually had some very depressing lyrics about life and, You know, I guess like the system, the way the world works, but people only listen to it for like the rock and roll and like heard the energy and really like that, which I feel like with Miski and her music, you can't, you can enjoy it. But I feel like that uh, environment of listening makes you more drawn to the lyrics, especially because her voice is the most prominent in the uh, track. It's always in the forefront. It's always very clean. Always like
1: that. Yeah, I, I noticed that too, that on many of the songs the instrumentals take a back seat, which I mean I I usually don't like, but in this case I, I think it worked very well because of her lyrical substance and what well, like what she was actually saying and how like actually important it was for her to say clearly. Yeah. You know?
0: I see what you're saying, but I honestly disagree with you. Oh, because really? I feel like the surrounding music plays a role in the kind of discomfort that Mitski feels you notice that a lot of songs will stop abruptly from going from the verse to the chorus or these synths will drone into like this insufferable like big swelling uncomfortable vibe and then all of a sudden
1: yeah it gone. just oh what track was that I know exactly it, what you're talking it, it about it happens
0: actually I believe a few different times oh, really? um but I think everyone is one of them. Um, oh,
1: yeah, it was everyone.
0: Yeah, that you're probably thinking about. And then it it slows down and leaves the last two lines. Sometimes I think I am free until I find I'm back in the line again. And that kind of energy is throughout the entire album. Every song kind of ends with her being like, so I just gave you this whole song, um, and mm-hmm. it's all about how... I would do anything for you, Fame. I would do anything for you, Fame. But um, at the end, I'm going to let you know that it hurts to do that. Like, it genuinely hurts me to be doing everything for you.
1: Yeah, I mean, she kind of explains throughout the album of how, like, her relationship with Fame has become so toxic and so, like, just disjointed from her original, like, uh, conceptions of it and which, which was honestly really smart and something that I admire from this album a lot.
0: Oh yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. I... And especially when you know even like the title working for the knife like I'm imagining her at knife point because a lot of times when you make music on your own terms especially when it's art it's something that is uh, personal to you. You pull from a lot of different uh, inspirations and a lot of different part of your past and you know, you give it time to develop and fall and work its way into a song. And then when you're like, you know, there's just a guy who cares about your numbers and music execs that say, okay, well, you need this song done by this month. And it's like, well, I'm trying to be inspired, but also, you know, the world's not really yeah. the best right now. So like, doesn't matter. See, how it's how like, you... all right, I'll write about you. Like, same way as, like Pink Floyd did with uh, um, Have a Cigar. It's like... <laughs> Let's just write about how bad the music industry is. Right. They'll love it. I mean, they don't care. It's still going to sell, but it's just kind of funny how
1: it always works its way in. That's another interesting topic, like how the monetization of music has changed the artistic process. And I, I think <laughs> we did kind of like cover that in one of our episodes last semester. I mean, yes. it's everywhere. It's, a, it, yeah.
0: it's so relevant, especially now, I feel like with so many different varieties of music that you're able to consume and so many easy ways to kind of boost that fame with the internet Mm -hmm. um but going back to working for the knife i don't think i said this um but it was written in 2019 it was one of the first tracks that she wrote for the album um and she wrote it after leaving social media and privately deciding to quit the music business before realizing Huh. I'm contractually obligated to do one last album.
1: I did see that, yeah. yeah. And I, I was gonna ask about that earlier about how there was kind of like a little a little drama surrounding this album, right? Yeah. Drama being a loose word for it, but
0: yes. Yeah, so she, it, it did not seem like she wanted to release anything after "Be the Cowboy." I think also with the title of the album itself being "Laurel Hell." Laurel is in reference to um, a mountain range in Pennsylvania, and they are like some really really high peaks in this mountain range and from my personal opinion i believe that she's trying to say this laurel hell is standing up at the top of a mountain peak over all of the success and fame that you've gathered over the past few years and recognizing nowhere to go but down nothing to do but stand here at the top or let it all go and slide down the other side of the mountain um and it's very well represented throughout the album with melancholic lyrics and like discomforting um like synths. Like I said, the yeah. synths really I feel like kinda played a heavy role in it with mm-hmm. it kinda like swelling into these really uncomfortable positions all the time.
1: The, yeah, they I I definitely agree with that. They played the synths played a huge role in that. And I mean that that goes back to like the uh like the eighties inspired uh like, kind of pop tracks, but also it kind of goes into, like, the kind of more, like, subtle and interlude tracks that really, really kind of, like, bring the concept of the album home, which right. is
0: right. So, which is welcome. I mean, we talked about Working for the Knife. Valentine Texas is another great song, but I feel like it kind of plays off of a similar thing as Working for the Knife. Um, talking about stepping carefully into the dark, or, like, as soon as she opens it up, it's, it's kind of showing you that She is recognizing that going into fame is a dark, dark aspect.
2: um, I know. I heard it in uh, uh, being the cow. Be the cowboy. Be the Not being the cowboy. Be the cowboy. uh, That she talked, you know, about me and my boyfriend, and then uh, was it that that album as well that had um, my husband? Me and my husband. Me, yeah, me and my husband, and then in this album, doesn't she also kind of go into a lot of different relationship? Yeah. Um, Because I don't know her actual uh relationship status um but did she go through like breakups or i I was confused
1: about that too or maybe like
2: just pulling because i know a lot of artists they'll like pull inspirations from past relationships but then you know they won't like say it like being a song hey this is about jeremy that would be kind of a cool thing though if artists did that'd be like hey jeremy the song's for you that would be like the
1: voicemail at the beginning yeah soundcloud tracks (laughs) (laughs)
0: yeah um I believe that Be the Cowboy was relating to a lot of her personal relationship issues. Um, I didn't do a ton of research into her relationship status right now, and I honestly feel like she most likely keeps it private considering mm, very true the mm. way she is in interviews and stuff. But I know that the big three tracks off of there that went super, like, mega viral was Me and My Husband, um, Washing Machine, Heart, and Nobody. And I know that Nobody was just her talking about how she... Never feels loved by the people she wants to be loved by. And me and my husband was about vaguely an unhealthy relationship. And um, washing machine Heart was about her giving up everything to somebody. yeah, I really, I really
2: like that song, me too. Oh, wow. Don't
0: toss your dirty shoes in my washing machine. um. But back to Laurel Hell, I feel like it's now no longer a discussion of her personal things because she feels like she doesn't owe that any longer. She, mm-hmm. she, Her biggest personal struggle is in relation to the fame that she's gathered because how could it not be? Imagine gaining so much success and becoming like rich off of your emotion and then— Having to release another album after realizing I don't want to do that anymore.
1: Yeah, imagine being like contractually like obligated to go through like all your shittiest memories and just pour that onto an album. That's just that's just uh, that kind of irks me the wrong way.
0: Yeah, right. And because
1: would this album really release if she wasn't contractually obligated to release it?
0: You can never say for sure. I feel like the artist always struggles and says, oh, I'm all done. But then they never are. Mm. You know what I mean? Like a lot of the times, even artists that claim to be done will write just for themselves and they will enjoy that music for themselves. And she might have done that with Mm. this or maybe made it into a poem or something along those lines. But I think that the album is important and well thought out, despite the fact that it is. Against the machine, or whatever you know what I mean, like against the industry. Um, so I did want to bring up one thing about Love Me More. So that song drones on a lot, I feel like, and I love it. it it's always playing in my head now since we started reviewing this. But tell me, it does not give you all eyes on me by Bo Burnham vibes. Like,
2: I can see that. Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? I can see that. Yeah. Like,
0: obviously it's super basic to be like i need you to love me more but that's what she says the entire time and she says like love me enough to fill me up but she's never gonna get full you know what i mean i think that's great and then following it with the eighth track there's nothing left here for you um is a great like juxtaposition of like fame 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 i want it i want it and then all of Mm a sudden like oh wait i'm at the top once again I, that that analogy i'm at the top there's nothing left to do here you know i've kind mm-hmm. of it's almost like uh, the book needs to end you know what i mean you can't let the or the television series like you hate it when it drones on for three seasons after its peak because at that point it's like what's the point you could have ended it and it would have been a good finale but now you had to do the money grab, and keep going for more. And she kind of touches on this in a lot of her music.
2: Yeah, and I think even that's something that can also be away from art as well. Like, we're students here trying to, you know, learn to get a job to then make our way into the world and, you know, have a job that's fulfilling, but also something that we've longed for, something that will keep us stable. It's kind of like a dream. That's the reason why we're here. You know, we wouldn't want to pay all this money for no reason. And... I feel like I've known a lot of people. I'm older and, you know, I know people older than me and they've kind of made it. Like one person's a game dev for a studio out in California and, you know, that's been his dream. He's working towards it. He got there and he's like, yeah, so now it just becomes, you know, Monday through Friday for me. And, uh, you know, it's not really something. He's like, I like doing my job, but, you know, you kind of get used to, oh, there's this expectation. There's this. I can't just do this. I have to just do this. And no matter what, I think humans, unless you're like Steven Spielberg, and even then I think he does as well, you're kind of contrapped a box in some way. And as humans, we try to live in that box. And I think with Mitski, you know, her being in that box was her safe haven. It was when she would come back from work or when any other time she would write lyrics and write a song to build up something for herself. And, you know, as much as she loves music and the emotions behind it, you know she keeps feeding into it but yeah now that she's on top you know now it's just okay well what you know there's no fuel to put in this for the time or there's no you know I'm not at my low in that sense yeah. so here she's always writing about her low and her low was her previous high so it's like this strange dynamic and i feel like a lot of people especially in the pandemic they kind of you know are trying to find their way and i think that's also why she was a big inspiration for a lot of people and I think, honestly, I hope this is her swan song, because I think it would be what she wants, and it would be a perfect ending, because I agree. I think when things go on too long, it's... Yeah. Not that's, right. wor- that's worse.
0: Yeah, and in in all honesty, I mean... <laughs> I just lost my train of thought.
1: Oh, you're good. I kind of <laughs> went along.
0: <laughs> no, 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 you're good. Um
1: that was very well stated,
2: by the way. That yeah. was very so, well was stated. Yeah, yeah, I. I I'm had... way older than these kids, so yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah so uh, I think also going back to the whole thing of her being an immigrant into America, it's kind of this American dream to have something that you're pushing for your whole life, and then eventually to settle down with that. Mm-hmm. Just like you were saying, just go about your week and Monday to Friday, and just have to do what you have to do. But she mm-hmm. has a lot of this in her previous albums, kind of like americanized uh kind of feelings um like she even has a song like i'll be your best american girl like she she very much wants that american dream to succeed and to push toward this overwhelming goal that seems unattainable but for her it obviously is and unfortunately like you said it it does become just kind of a well what do i do now
2: yeah Well, like what is you know, the American dream. And I think a lot of, you know, for groups that really love her, like you said, the queer group, uh, or LGBTQI plus or people that are immigrants or second generation immigrants. Uh, I know I've heard a lot of opinions of second generation Indians that they, you know, they feel like they're growing up and they're like, you know, Oh, no one around me is like this. Well, all the people I know are like my father and I don't want to be like my father. So then, let me just try to become them, whereas a lot of forgot his name. I think it was. I'm not going to say it, but he was a, a Indian comedian, very popular. I think he's like mid twenties. Someone will definitely know, and I'll look after. But he embraces that awkwardness of being a second generation immigrant. Of like, yeah, you know, like my father is like hugely nothing like anyone else's father. And instead of hiding it, I'm just going to be like, yeah, you know, I brought kimchi to lunch, <laughs> you right, know, and just yeah. like, that's just me, but whatever, you know, still just a kid or still growing up. And I feel, yeah, ho- you know, it's more of a dialogue that, you know, I know I can't have at least to reassure people, but I'm glad that, you know, especially like entertainment and music movies are taking that on more and having them less be stereotyped uh, into, like figureheads for sure.
0: Yeah, definitely. So to kind of wrap it up, I guess we'll talk about the last few tracks yeah. really quick and give it a day, uh, call it a day. But I
1: do want to talk, oh, sorry, but I did want to talk about Should Have Been Me, because that was, that was my yeah. favorite on the OM, because it's great. it it kind of just picked up, the, picked up the tempo a little bit, yeah. which is something I always appreciate, um, and then obviously kind of has that 80s style, but... It experiments with it a bit further than kind of what you see in the other tracks which I really liked and like the groovy bass lines like the guitar plucks and brass sections it's just like it's a great song
0: right and even that like lyrical content of oh it should have been me I should have been the one to, to be your favorite artist mm-hmm. but unfortunately that's just not the case then rounding it out with I guess I guess this is the end she says and Um, she at the very end says from here, I can tell you, thank you. So we kind of mentioned that briefly earlier that she is thankful. She's very grateful that she was able to, um, live this life of being an artist, but it's the end, I guess this is the end. Um, and I really, really was like confused at first on the run through about the last track, which Mm -hmm. is weirdly titled. That's our lamp. Um, and I thought that it was kind of indicative of like a, a relationship more than a relationship with fame.
1: See, that's that's exactly what I was thinking because when when I uh, when I listened to the song, I had to pull up the Genius to like the lyrics because I was like, okay, this kind of isn't like correlating with the rest of the album here. But I mean, I feel like it serves its place though because it's kind of like honestly instrumentally because it's kind of like the culmination of the sound and then like with that little synth bridge in the in the middle i i I enjoyed it a lot but i do think the lyrical substance kind of like differed from the path she kind of laid out
0: yeah i i do i do like that atmosphere and i i kind of think that it fits with the theme of quarantine when she says like I'm looking up into our room where you'll be waiting for me thinking that's where you loved me because I know that a ton of her music was um, appreciated by people inside their room when they found her and they fell in love with her and did research into her old albums and was like, oh, there's this new artist that I, I have to be a fan of. But at that point, she had already released the majority of her music and she's like, oh, yay! well, you finally picked it up. That's when you loved me, but now it's over because that time of my life is over. And
1: oh, that's actually a really interesting like interpretation of that.
0: That's what I thought it to be, okay. but I'm not sure. Yeah, I kind
1: of like that more than what I was thinking. Okay, yeah, cool. So yeah. I, I, might, yeah. I might use that a little bit.
0: Yeah, I, I think overall, though, it was a great album. I was really happy with it. It's a short one. It's simple yeah, it's a, and it's pretty sweet. Short, which, but,
2: you know, I'm glad if she had to force out some songs they weren't. You know, like fifty-five plus minutes. Yeah, like, I'm. I'm glad, glad it sweet. just
1: wasn't like filled with filler. Yeah, right. I mean, th- there's definitely some points where it kind of seems that way, but I mean, especially for one of these albums being produced in like a contractual circumstance, I'm glad she gave it an actual go you know right
0: yeah because she could have gone gone in an entirely different direction and gone mainstream and like entirely devoted her writing process to just getting on the radio and and she probably would have made a lot more money though she would have and she definitely would have made it on the radio at this point i mean she's super well liked but it's so nice to see that authenticity from an artist even on their very end you know i I mean, mean
1: that's something you have to admire just like it's it's specifically about the art for this artist, which I mean, you see it, you see it in the music industry, but not as much as you should. Mm-hmm. So you have to give credit where credit is due. There.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Any final thoughts from you?
2: Uh, overall, I think when when you mentioned Mitski or you know brought her up. As soon as I hit play, I'm like, this is a Lauren Outlet. It's like a sad girl too. saga continues. But <laughs>
0: I'm sorry. I no,
2: just recognize I, I, I like it. Because it's, it's something that I normally don't <laughs> listen to. So I, I had you know, as I was listening, I did take time to make sure I was listening to some of the lyrics, actually reading because sometimes I just focus on the music, especially mm-hmm. on a first listen through. And I'm glad I did because she obviously has a lot of passion and you know however she may be with her music now or she lies with it i'm glad that listening to this album i felt like i heard someone explain like a final mic drop diss in her own album and it was like perfectly like it pleased people that wanted to please it you know displeased people that she meant for it to go out against like songs with the you know like the music industry and honestly uh Overall, very interesting artist, and I'm really glad I got to listen to it. Yeah, Good. same. Good. This is
1: actually the only Miskey album I've ever I've ever listened to, so I'm sorry to all the Miskey fans out there. Don't come attack me, <laughs> but okay. I yeah. I will definitely research her other albums.
0: I've got some recommendations if okay. you ever need them. Um, I
1: know you do. <laughs>
0: yeah, we we know that Lauren <laughs> likes her sad music. I'm trying to expand though. I I do I do listen to a lot of other things, but I find that the things that I could talk about for an hour and a half. It's
2: okay. There's still Psycho snow music. outside. We're still wearing yeah. masks. You can, you know, like same thing with have your own Laurel help. Be like, yeah. okay, let me just, you know, bundle it up. Scratch it out, and then boom,
1: springtime, be perfect.
0: Yes, yes, it's yes. It's still
1: yes. sad girl season. Don't let yeah. anyone tell Sad girl summer, you. It's, sad it's, girl it's, spring, it's, exactly. sad girl fall. It's, it's your round around
0: here. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, y'all. I'm glad you were here with us to review Laurel Hell. Um, it was a phenomenal album, and we would definitely recommend giving it a listen. Um, thanks for listening to us, and make sure to follow us on all of our social media. And uh, we will see you again soon. Bye.
2: Bye.